Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, friend. How do you do on this wonderful winter day? <laughs> oh my gosh, you need to be louder. You can't hear me? Uh, you sound a little bit soft, and I mean, you're also you, so then like, even louder. True, true. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello, friends. I am Shen. And I'm Lei. And welcome back to the Wildy Nap Podcast. Welcome we back, friends. We here. We here. I keep forgetting that like this episode won't come out until like November. So it could be snowing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> God, I hope not. Listen to me. I'm but it's like, definitely cold. I mean, I can't. There's nothing like it's like it's so funny because I think I said this before that like nothing shocks um black people every year more than winter. Shocked. It's like I've literally been. I was. I was born here. I was birthed, <laughs> like in October. So like it's cold. Like it's I should cold. be used to this. And every year I'm like, <clears throat> like <laughs> so overwhelmed by the frigid temperatures. It doesn't get any easier. Never. I don't think I ever will. Like I don't. Yeah, think I me neither. But you know, I'm staying. <laughs> Listen, child. I mean, I'd love to go like to the Caribbean or something, but I'm trying to figure out even where that would be. But I mean, I'm not able. There was a season in my life where I thought I may go to Florida, but (laughs) I don't think I can do America. Mm -mm. (laughs) Like that is not a part of my ministry. Mm -mm. That's a hard no. Mm. I mean, a beautiful place. I love to visit and I hope that it improves so that one day I may look fondly upon that country again, but. For now, I have to love all of my American friends and family from afar. Through <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> right? Anyways, friend, how are you? I'm good. I can't complain. Living in gratitude, loving my family, loving up on my man. <laughs> this is why we do it on camera because your face, your reactions are the best. Excuse you better love guys our longtime listeners know (laughs) listen the daria (laughs) ebbs and flows ebbs and flows but like if you are in a high season where you are doing stress Mm -hmm. on the word doing well um that's fabulous i love that Mm -hmm. how you doing you know (laughs) i'm surviving i'm doing okay uh i can't really complain too much work is work and um 
but again, in a similar vein, I'm really just trying to stay grateful and, and stay positive because uh, it's challenging as it is with everything that's going on. Uh, I just know how many people are unemployed, like how many people are really mm-hmm. looking for, for work. I remember seeing a photo some time ago and it was a line, I can't remember where in the States it was, but it was a line for the food bank and it was along the freeway. And it was just like cars and cars and cars and cars piled up to get to the food bank. And there were like so many miles of cars. I'm confident that like a, a vast majority of those people did not get food. Oh like, God. I'm so confident that that's the case. So when you see things like that, it like makes whatever the hell I want to bitch about, like so minuscule and mm-hmm. unimportant that I don't even yeah. want to say it out loud. So right. to answer your question, I'm well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fabulous. Um, so friends, listen, Sen and I just keep on, we're the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> we're on fire. We're on fire this season. We are. We're lit up. I can't even sit down. I'm so hot. <laughs> and um, we are so, 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 so lucky today that we are joined uh, by an awesome guest, someone who is so knowledgeable and hope us and hopefully can get us in order, get us mm-hmm. in check. So we are joined today by Brandy Wells Friends. Hello, Brandy. Hi, Brandy. Oh Hello. Hey. Can you hear me well? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Perfectly. Yes. I am so happy to be here with you ladies tonight. It's eight o'clock my time. I'm in Ohio. How <laughs> are you doing? How's your week going? Mm-hmm. I'm doing, um, I'm doing well. I think that, uh, there's been a lot of discussion around, um, especially in the mental health world around, uh, the trauma that's happened, um, with the, uh, Wisconsin shooting mm-hmm. with another black man. Um, which is why when you said earlier that coming to America, right? Like there's so much trauma happening to um, black and brown people here. So I'm trying to stay focused and gratitude and, and take moments to appreciate my family, but it's hard to turn an ear to all the injustices happening to, happening to uh, my sisters and brothers around me. Yep. Absolutely. It's, I love that. It's, it's been crazy. Thank you so for the I'm, honesty. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm like mourning a little bit, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I think you couldn't have phrased it even like better. Like I, I uh, yeah, <laughs> there is no way. Like it's like, it's really, really, really taxing. It's so it tiring. Is. Like it, it is. It just is. And it's taxing as a black Canadian. Yeah. I can imagine that as a black American, you are spent. Yeah. yeah, I am. I am with a black family, with a black husband yeah. Yeah. Um, who has that mark on his back. And I constantly am in fear for him. He leaves every day and um, I'm constantly hoping that he just makes it home. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's a sad reality. And, uh, you know, because we are online and social media and information is out there, you see the videos, you see the morning, you see yeah. the families. And sometimes I just got to turn it off, right? Like I have to set a boundary. Like I can't be in it anymore or else I just get so exhausted. So, right. well, but despite I am here and I am smiling, so I'm good. Amen. I love that. <laughs> and that's it. Again, a testament to our people, to who we are. The, like by far the most resilient in the world. <laughs> yes. Like, the world is burning. And it's like, but you know what? Praise God. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> that's it. I'm here. At least I'm here to watch it burn. 
<laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. oh, awesome. So right now we're gonna jump headfirst into our bomb moms. Bomb moms. We yep. need some positivity. Some good news. <laughs> yes. Send out some positive energy out there. Right? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to nominate a blogger today. Her name is Christina Malina or Malia. Um, she's a mom of one, a little boy. She's from the UK and she's a curvy style blogger. I really love following her page because she really. Um, has a great sense of style and um she really pushes self-confidence you know when i think of plus size models a lot of people say they're so brave and that statement always used to bother me a little because yeah you need to be brave to be yourself like no you are who you are you should love yourself no matter what so i really yes. love that message that she puts out there on her page so shout out be shout out to you christina nice yeah. i'm like i gotta follow christina <laughs> it, listen to me that's always how it happens someone recommends a bomb mom and like right away we like go look for them like oh let me see like, they sound fabulous <laughs> why am i not following them it's funny because i read a post the other day about bravery also and it, it's the same sentiment it's that like you brave like the definition of bravery is like doing something that's dangerous or um i can't remember but along those lines and it's like there's nothing dangerous or like crazy or wild about being who i am mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. That's pretty awesome. I want to shoot to you, Brandy. Who's your bomb mom now? <laughs> you know no who I've um, really been feeling and who's a favorite of mine. And I'm sure you might, you guys probably get this all the time, but um, I've been on my Black is King vibe. And so um, I've been really proud of what Beyonce did for that movie. I have been in awe mm -hmm. um, because despite all that's going on, to see that type of grace and regalness mm. and all of the essence of who we are, um, it was reaffirming, you know, and uh, it was reaffirming for my children because... Mm. Um, my daughters get to see um, their roots in a very different and intentional way. So we've been rocking our little fashion. We've been like, mm -hmm. just, we just been on a high horse about like, we are kings and queens and we just been kind of having our heads really high. And so I just appreciate the like extra confidence that she's given me and that she's given my, my babies. Love yes. It. Thanks, Aunt to B. Yes. <laughs> so, I know that was our very first bomb. That was our very first bomb. Of course. I mean, she's a she's a favorite. She's a yeah. favorite. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to nominate Kayla Gray. Mm. So, <laughs> Kayla Gray is a Torontonian. <laughs> so, she's actually like one of, I mean, and maybe I, I someone will correct me, but to my knowledge, she is the only black female sportscaster in toronto um i think she might be the only one in canada but i don't even want to say that because that scares me <laughs> there's only one black female sportscaster i'm nervous but i i know for i'm pretty confident that she's the only one in toronto mm. and it's amazing because first of all i mean i always geek when i see a woman in sports like when i see a woman talking about basketball football i love it um, but I especially love it, uh, when, when they're black, right. When they look mm -hmm. like me, when there is like, you know, that, that similarity and, and that, that representation. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I love Kayla Gray for that reason and have admired her for that, but I think more so now with the way that she's using her platform, it's so admirable, uh, being very vocal, being very honest about, you know, what she's experienced in workrooms, in boardrooms, how she's been silenced, 
uh, microaggressions that like, she experiences at the Toronto Sports Network, mm-hmm. um, like just really calling them on their shit. And I, it's, it's hard to do, right? Because mm-hmm. you put a lot on the line when you do that. But she's right. been so unapologetic about it. Um, and then, of course, now with what's happening uh, with like boycotts and everything, like she's just on the front lines being honest and supporting Black people, Brown people. Like she's just really putting herself out there. And I think it's so, so admirable. So Kayla Gray, I mean, I've loved seeing you uh, on the court. <laughs> and even though, well, and whether we go back on the court or not, I don't even care. I just think that like what you're doing is phenomenal. And your son nice. is also super cute. So you're my bomb mom now. That's sweet. That's so funny. She was on my list for for our next recording. Was she? Yeah. First of all, I love that you're making a list. How are you? Because <laughs> you know me, I always forget when it yeah. comes down. Always. So it's it's hard to remember, but yeah, I she's she's dope. She's just so cool. Um, speaking of cool people, you know, I love a segue. <laughs> the segue queen is back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brandy is super cool and for a multitude of reasons. So Brandy, please tell our listeners who you are, what you do and you know, why we just had to have you on the podcast. Well, I don't know why you had to have me, but I'm happy to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm Brandy and, uh, I handle my motherhood magic. Um, that derived from me being a mother, right? Like I was just authentically sharing my experiences with my daughters Mm-hmm. Um, who are 13, 6, and 2. Oh. Um, oh. But while I was parenting them, I was going to school for social work okay. and mm-hmm. specific to raising children. And so what happened was I began to learn so many ideas around parenting that I had never heard before, that I hadn't saw within my own family dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I start applying that to how I was raising kids. Um, come to find out, I became, I grew very confident in my parenting abilities when I began to take a leap out on faith and um, changing kind of some family narratives that were kind of present and within my own family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a beautiful thing. And so many women around me have been uh, giving me just like warm hugs around like, you got this, like you're doing the work around healing and early childhood mental health and mm-hmm. mental health period um, because our children sometimes can be our triggers um, and mm-hmm. they will make us face ourselves. They will make us look ourselves in the mirror and say, what work do you need to do so that you can uh, be called um, as, a, as a mother, as a father? So it's been a pleasure sharing my personal experience, but mixing it with the work that I do with children who are really vulnerable who are really out here experiencing trauma and abuse and neglect and uh, a lot of hardships that we don't think that children are experiencing Mm -hmm. um and so i really come really intentional and purposeful when i when i uh, raise my daughters because i know how um, important that work is because they're only little for so such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. um they Mm -hmm. become adults and we are adults who are still stuck in some of our our child ways. So I want to give them the best opportunity, the best foundation. And I think women resonate with that. And and they see a lot of hope and pride in that. Um, And they see themselves. And so, and it's important for, uh, you know, our counterparts to see black women in um, ways that are empowering, because Mm -hmm. they're stereotypes that this is what motherhood looks like in our community. This is what fatherhood. And so I really do, um, I try to do a good job at offsetting some of those 
negative stereotypes that they have around parenting and motherhood, particularly in the black community. Okay. So do you have a Nobel <laughs> Peace Prize? <laughs> Not yet. Is it on its way? <laughs> like what? Oh yeah. my God. Like so many, so many gems already dropped. That was, yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, uh, I do have a TED talk though. Do you? Oh, you do. I do. I do have a TED talk. Um, I completed that last year. It was on my bucket list. And so, wow. That's so um, cool. Yeah. I did a TED talk around um, breaking generational cycles of trauma mm-hmm. and how, mm-hmm. as a young girl, I was abandoned. I didn't have a um, strong connection with my father, and how that kind of grew into me making sure that I dropped a lot of curses and uh, really lived resiliently and like, um, like I said, just being very intentional about knowing what I had to occur, what was occurring in my past and how I wanted to bring it forward. So it's been good. It's been good. It's been a good journey. Amen. Jesus, snaps, snaps for my girl. <laughs> and the episode is over. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, we're done. <laughs> because that is just phenomenal. Like, I can't, I mean, I, like I said, just based on the little that we were able to derive from your Instagram, I'm like, oh my gosh, she'd be such an amazing person to interview. But you have definitely, you have far exceeded our expectations, sis. Oh, thank you. That makes me proud. That really makes me proud amazing your intro kind of led into what we wanted to talk about today and mm. that was the mental health of children we've been dying to get someone on on our podcast because you know 2020 has been a whirlwind of so many things and with just covid alone mm-hmm. a lot of parents have many opinions but a lot of things that i a lot of times we don't hear people talk about how the children are processing mm-hmm. all of these things and what tools we need and what tools can we use to help guide our children through this whole year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's multi-layered. Yes. So we wanted to kind of chat with you and ask a few questions about, you know, how to assist our kids, how to gauge. Let me go through. Uh, my first question is actually is how do you gauge if your child is processing this year like well mm-hmm. especially if your child is quiet and yes react to things or have no reaction to the conversations that you're having with them i think it's important to know that our children um they can feel what we're feeling a lot of times when we're stressed as adults and we're having conversations with other adults and loved ones we think that our children aren't in the room, that they can't feel those stressors that are imposed upon us. But a lot of times they do. They Mm -hmm. are driven by our own energy as adults. That's why it's so important for us first to process how we are feeling so that we can also carry the feelings of our children. So a lot of times our our children are manifesting the same things that we are in in our bodies, you know, stress, worry, fear, what's going to happen? Am I going to be at school? I start by always saying, first, have a great foundation with your child, you know, Mm -hmm. build the bond of trust and um, open communication so that when times like this do occur and not just times like this, I feel like you should always be checking in on your children, right? Like Mm -hmm. I do night, I sit with my 13 year old daughter before she lays down and we just process the day, you know, what was your highs? What were your lows? What could you have done better? What's something you're proud of? Mm. I think really giving your um, children the opportunity, the floor to speak, 
um, to say how they feel um, without the intention of responding in a way that you're trying to rescue them. But sometimes just give them the floor to say, mom, I'm, I'm sad. I don't get to see my friends and you just holding space for them just as you would your girl or some, you know, your husband who would come to you and be like, babe, I'm feeling this way. Um, sometimes it's just about giving them the voice to be able to share because they're holding so much of that inside because they don't always have that opportunity to share how they're feeling. Cause sometimes children are just better seen and not heard. So just giving them that floor, giving them that, that opportunity. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's super powerful. I think so. Cause I think I've said it before on the show. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher by profession. Okay. So I end up like, you know, really going there with my kids because I think, I think it might be because of my age or just my disposition, but in any event, students confide in me a lot. And one of the things that they say, like almost always, anytime there's a student that has a major issue that comes to me and I'm like, you know, have you spoken to your parents about it? They're like, I don't feel heard. Like, I feel like I don't, I, like, I, I don't want to talk to them. They're not going to listen. They're not going to hear me. Mm-hmm. They're not going to respect what I have to say. And it's shocking because I think that if parents feel that way with teenagers, then I could imagine how they feel with young kids. Yeah. Like, like if you don't want to hear what the 16 year old's got to say, then you damn sure aren't taking the time to figure out what the seven year old has to say. So yeah. I think that that's something that I've been really adamant about and intentional um, is that like giving, like, I mean, my daughter's only 22 months, so let's be, or 21 months, but regardless, <laughs> you know, cultivating like the, the, the habit of giving her space to share how she's feeling. Absolutely. And, and sharing openly how you're feeling. There's Mm -hmm. beauty, there's beauty in, uh, being vulnerable as a parent, right? Like, you know, I'm very open and honest with my children. I set boundaries. I don't want them to take on too much, but I'm very honest. Like mommy is worried too, because I don't know what to expect. I'm doing the best that I can. I think it's a, a beautiful notion to show them, how you feel, and then how resilient, what are some positive coping strategies to kind of offset some of those negative feelings? Because we're modeling all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, we are their first teachers. So it's important for us to kind of set the stage or the tone to how we want our children to process um, Mm -hmm. feelings and emotions. That's so true. You kind of have to model that behavior Mm -hmm. in order for them Mm -hmm. to learn how to execute it. Yeah. You know, I, I get parents who, you know, they're stressed, COVID, you know, they fold, they want to sleep more, they want to eat more, um, they want to drink more, they want to do things, go back to some of those negative coping strategy, and it's like, you got these babies watching you, Mm -hmm. so you can either rise up and use this time to show them how to adjust to change, or you can show them some kind of unhealthy coping strategies that won't help them get through this, so you know, you always have to keep it in mind, but that's, that's self-work too. That takes mm-hmm. a lot from the, that takes a lot of a responsibility from the adult. Absolutely. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. So how much information is too much information to give your kids? Yeah. You know, it, it depends on your family. Family um, dynamics are different in different households. You know, I um, think that there are some conversations that are very adult-like that children's brains aren't ready to process. Mm -hmm. Like as a young kid, what is too much information? Like if you already have a hard time processing some stuff, is it safe to share that to your child? But but how can you be child-friendly 
and your approach on how you're having these conversations. Mm -hmm. How can you break it down where it makes sense for them um, without them, without you divulging too much, you know, be honest, but I'm not saying that your child needs to be your friend either. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think there has to be some boundaries set up. Absolutely. So I guess like with, you know, in line with that question, when I look at the fact that like, I think about growing up and how like my mom was so reluctant to talk to me about death. I think when I, I, I was quite young when we first, our goldfish first died. And I don't even really remember, to be honest with you, what my mom said, but I just, I, I know she didn't tell me that the fish died, but she had said something like silly that like was enough to like give me satisfaction in the moment. And then I remember talking to another friend more recently about like talking to kids about death and she's a social worker and she had mentioned to uh, her daughter that one of the students that she used to work with committed suicide. And I was like, whoa, you told your seven-year-old daughter that? And she was like, absolutely. She's like, because people taking their lives and, you know, people like, are like, I wanted her to know, I think it's so healthy to talk to your kids about death. And then I think about what's happening in the media with anti-Black racism and Black people being killed left, right, and center, and it not necessarily being, you know, inaccessible to, to kids. Um, yeah. they're, whether they want it or not, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, it just shows up on their front, to their front door. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question, it's like a twofold question. Like, how do you talk to your kids about death? And especially how do you talk to Black kids about Black people dying without inciting, mm-hmm. like an overwhelming sense of fear. Yeah. So I think first you have to think about development. I think you always have to know where is your child developmentally? Because even sometimes if you have an older child, sometimes developmentally, they may may be a little immature, right? They Mm -hmm. may have a hard time processing or understanding information. They might distort it a little bit. So you always need to think about what, where's my child at? How, how should I phrase this in a way that they can understand? For really small children, they don't know what permanency is. So if you tell them somebody died, they don't understand that that means they're never coming back. And I'm talking about maybe under eight, you know, Mm, Um, they don't understand that that is a forever thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They just don't get that things that, that permanency that, that, that it doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have conversations around like the person is gone. I mean, being honest, leaving the floor for them to share how they feel, um, celebrating them, maybe writing and doing things that they can connect to them without, uh, needing to see them physically. Um, and then we just do a lot of pretend play. Like I had a, a young girl I was working with whose mother passed away, very traumatic situ- situation where her father killed her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh my lord. And we just play with dolls. You know, we had a dollhouse and we play with dolls and I pretended to be mom and she pretended to be this. I mean, she's solid and we just had to begin to process that trauma, but in a very child friendly way, which was pretend play. Um, and so that that's kind of hard. But when you get to older children, I think when talking about death, I think it is there's some vulnerability and just being honest and saying, death is when and if you're religious you talk about god and you talk mm-hmm. about you know heaven and all those things that go into your your religion yeah but but being truthful um and sticking to what what is real is always best because kids grow up and they know a lot already anyway yeah um my daughter when you when i heard you ask the question about like what to share as far as like what's been going on my daughter has a phone she gets alerts all the time, oh. CNN, 
you know, those little flashes that come on. Oh, gosh. She, she sees it all. It's hard for me to, like, have her have a blind side to it, you know? Um, but we have really intentional conversations about, um, you know, racism and where it starts and uh, systematic racism and why this is occurring. And I give her literature to read and I give her, um, you know, evidence-based information that's uh, backed up with facts and she reads and I let her, I let her form her own opinion. Um, and recently she asked, mom, can I start a podcast? And I said, ah, yeah. Oh, and I said, yeah, girl, what you going to start your po- podcast on? And she's like, I want to start my This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. My podcast on Black Lives Matter. And that was her taking ownership on how she saw the world as a 13-year-old. And I let that cultivate. I supported her, but I wanted her to do it her way. Um, and always feeding her that factual information so that she can come up with her own her own view uh, viewpoint and opinion. So I think just leaving the floor for you know older children to really get that dialogue and, and give them some truth worthy news, you know, um, is always good. You know, damn, wow. So you know, I'm I'm happy to hear that you know with your with your daughter, she was empowered. She got that information. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, feeling. But yeah, she felt like she, you know, she felt like she wanted to use her voice to share her thoughts. Um, but what happens in cases where kids are afraid? How do you structure conversations around them knowing that these are the things that like, you know, could happen, but not wanting them to live in fear and wanting them to move? And I understand too, like if you're religious, that like that conversation changes a bit. But yeah. um, if you're not, what might, what might you say or how might you structure the conversation so that your kids are aware, but they're not paralyzed by fear right um you know we process all emotions so even the hard ones so sitting in fear sitting in sadness sitting in grief that's okay Mm. you hold space for them you honor that it's okay to be scared about the reality of the world we can't keep that hidden for our children Mm -hmm. i think that we share those same sentiments i'm scared too But Mm -hmm. what can we do to get our scared feelings away? How can we shift those thoughts? Let's think about moments in which we can show gratitude. I'm Mm -hmm. so happy that we're still alive. What's something we can do to come out, you know, to, um, you know, um, I remember like um, when we saw a lot of the deaths, we went outside and in chalk, we wrote all the people who had passed away's name. Like, how can we celebrate in this time? How can we bring awareness how can we do our part how can Mm -hmm. we turn our our grief into empowerment um how do we take responsibilities within ourselves um how do we really shift that energy and giving them the opportunity to do that um without trying to numb them yeah um, but in a way to like okay we're mad and we're upset and we don't want this to happen what can we do as individuals so that we can be part of the change and I think that kind of restores some of that imbalance for, for children mm-hmm. because they can use that energy for good. 
Definitely. Yeah, I do. That's a, that just goes to show that there's a lot of work that we have to do as parents as well, because mm-hmm. on the internet, it's not all facts out there mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. and you can't hide them from the internet. Every kid has access to it nowadays and mm-hmm. that information is going to be out there. So we have mm-hmm. to do our part. We have to educate them. We have to, like you said, give them hard facts mm-hmm. so they can cultivate their own opinions and mm-hmm. aware of what's truly going on mm-hmm. yes yes I love that and I also love the piece about like allowing them to feel those emotions I think sometimes when I think about and not just me but I think about even when other parents are worried about one thing or the other about like you know there being too much sex on the internet or being like you know there's too much violence or too much this or too much that and worrying about their kids seeing those things it's because of course we're scared about what would potentially happen if they encounter them but I think there's just also this like worry that we don't want them to feel these bad feelings. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you mm-hmm. to be overwhelmed. I don't want you to be um, confused. Like we just like, those feelings have a negative connotation, but as you said, they're feelings, right? They're feelings. They need to be felt and we need to hold space for them and, you know, just make sure that our kids feel supported to go through those feelings, but like not to stay in that space. Right. Right. I agree because there's a lot of adults who also, we have these perfectionist ideals around processing feelings. We think mm-hmm. we always have to be happy, yes. which almost in return makes it hard for us to handle those negative feelings mm-hmm. because we feel so imperfect, but that's part of being human. Yes. Um, the good doesn't come with, you know, doesn't come without the bad, mm-hmm. um, but it's how you kind of persevere within mm-hmm. those moments. You know, how do you recover? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you stand back up on your two feet? which is what matters most. And so it's hard to send in nasty feelings, but what comes on the other end is just showing how strong, how much strength you carry because you got through it. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. A word. (laughs) A whole word. So so can we move over to COVID now and kind of break down how to support our kids who have lost all social interactions with their friends, their peers Mm -hmm. for almost a whole year. Yeah. That's been really hard. Um, Because as humans, I feel like we are strengthened through connection, especially like physical connection, right? Like it's been so hard not to be able to see people physically, but you know, one thing I have done is like, how can we think of creative ways where we can still make connection? Mm-hmm. I think being creative, giving children a, not um, options to communicate with their friends without isolation. Mm-hmm. So like we're doing now, like, can you do FaceTimes? Can you do Zooms? Can you write letters? Mm-hmm. I took my I took my daughter all the way back to pen pals. I'm like, yeah, you can't you can't see your friend. Okay, let me show you the power in pen pals. It's actually more fun. Like yeah. you get yeah. to write and then you can send something in the mail. And like there's beauty in connecting in different ways. So yeah. showing your kids that like how can you cultivate a relationship without the need of like I need to be near you. Mm-hmm. Um and there's also beauty in kids being alone. Um, A lot of times we feel like we need to feed our kids these social interactions and that's good, but there's some beauty that comes from kids sitting with themselves Mm -hmm. and and being creative and sitting in boredom and sitting in isolation. Um, There's some beauty that like comes out of that and some imagination and creativity that comes from that. 
So I just try to find different ways in which I can have these kids connect to, to their friends. And also like small pods. Can you meet at a park where you're six feet apart? Like as parents, you know, being brave enough to kind of stick your neck out there and come up with some ways in which your child can get something mm -hmm. um, socially um, that makes you feel comfortable. Definitely. I think that that's really helpful because I feel like a lot of moms or parents have been feeling so much guilt mm -hmm. because like their children are in isolation and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are new to this, like programming for your children every mm -hmm. single day for months. It gets exhausting. It does. You lose, you mean, I mean, everything goes in waves. You lose mm -hmm. that creativity. You kind of give up. But like you said, like, it's okay for your children to sit in boredom sometimes. I mean, I did as a kid, but you know what? True. Like, that resulted in us using our imagination. And you don't know what blossoms out of that. So you're so right. Because I myself was feeling guilty because I'm like, am I taking her out enough? Mm -hmm. Am I making Same. these activities interesting enough? Same. Am I, you know, bringing her out to even like socially distance with her friends enough? Like that was really helpful. I don't know. <laughs> that made me yeah. feel better. Yeah. You should. And I think that like you like you said, like when I was younger, my mom was like, go outside. Like go outside. Like I know it's unsafe sometimes to go outside now these days. There's mm -hmm. a lot of predators, but like the reality is like sometimes you got to figure it out as children, they will get it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I've been really open and honest and like pushing their buttons, like do something you haven't done. Let's do something that's like practical that you wouldn't be able to do because you will be wrapped up in activities. Mm -hmm. You know, what's something that you want to learn to do right here at home that you haven't had the opportunity to do. Um, and let's start there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's been really beautiful because they've been able to kind of, to kind of dig in a little bit deeper and find other things that they're interested in outside of social um, connections and extracurriculars. Mm -hmm. So, and it saved some money in my pocket because I ain't got to do all these activities. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about them coins <laughs> because listen, that is it. Like that is, that is it. That's the real, that's the realness of it all. And you know what? It's funny because that kind of segues into a question that I had that came out of like a play date, actually, where uh, one of the moms that I was with was saying that a neighbor had just moved in with them maybe four or five months ago and they're already moving. And it's a really, really scary, unfortunate move because mm. both parents lost their jobs and um, they're just not even 100 percent sure like what's going to happen next. So this, the, the daughter who, you know, has made friends with, um, you know, kids in the neighborhood, like all these different things are happening and it's just, it's weighing heavily. So I guess my question is like, what kinds of advice do you have maybe both for parents and for kids mm -hmm. um, about, you know, going through like major changes like that? Because COVID is real. Like it could just be like, you know, there's social distancing, but for some families, it's been way, way more traumatic than that. And yeah. it's, it's hard on them. Yeah. Um, again, I think giving kids um, the opportunity to share how they're feeling so for me, I'm like, um, you know, let them journal, let them write down their thoughts, let them write down how they're experiencing COVID so that when they look back, they can able, they're able to see that story, mm -hmm. um, giving them opportunity to process, you know, bringing them, having family meetings, sitting down saying, how is this affecting you? What can I do to support you? 
Um, what do you need me to do to support you? Mm-hmm. Um, and really just holding space. Again, I think as parents, we want to fix it. We yeah. always want to fix our child's feelings. We want to make it better. But there's times where you, it's not our job to do that. We support mm. it, but we can't fix it. And so sometimes we just need to sit in that harsh reality, hold space, and then help them move forward. Um, and also just really, really showing a place of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, what are things that we can appreciate? How can we celebrate these moments? What are some thoughts that you can remember about your loved one that is experiencing COVID that will make you feel happy, that will make you have happy thoughts? You know, really trying to shape, um, you know, and support some of the um, outcomes because the reality is you're going to have to go through it to get to the other side. You Mm -hmm. can't try to duck and dodge it. You can't try to like put these parameters in place that they can't, you know, that they have, you know, have to navigate through all of that. Sometimes you just got to let them experience it and just sit there and be next to them. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's okay. That's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but you can't, you can't ignore that. Like you can't, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but I think Mm. as adults, we always feel the need to like, we got to make our kids happy. They need to, they need to recover. They need to be their best self all the time. And it's like, that's not, that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. Why are we putting that on our children to Mm -hmm. do that? Um, and so allow them to just feel. If they're sad, they're sad. Someone's leaving. Someone has to go. Someone's sick. Um, but how can you, again, turn that pain into, into power? Um, mm. how, can you, how can you shift the focus back on celebrating and, and thinking about things that are all good and things that, that can come from this? I love that. Yeah, and I think too. that that helps with the, you know, the other question about mental health for the parents, because I feel like so much of why parents feel taxed and exhausted outside of, of course, the other troubles and all the other things that adults have to worry about. But it is that it's that like yeah. that wanting to protect and, you know, and save and fix and, you know, with our kids. And it's like, I feel like, obviously, we're not suggesting you abandon mm-hmm. your kids and your feelings. I'm like, oh, well, figure it out. You're on your own. Yeah, it's yeah. that. Um, but it's not the need to fix. It's like, rather than like being the fixer, you know, you're, you're taking a more of a supportive role. Support. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's, I feel like that's, that's a lighter load to carry. Yes. And with parents and adults, you know, really, especially during this time, we have so many layers, so many hats we're wearing, you know, mm-hmm. some of us are working from home, parenting, being a, a spouse, you know, being all of the things. Mm-hmm. And then we forget about the core ourselves Mm -hmm. so I'm always talking to parents around how are you rejuvenating self how are you prioritizing yourself because there's no way you can pour from an empty cup it's no way you can support your child emotionally Mm -hmm. if you haven't checked your own emotions Mm -hmm. there's no way you can sit with them in their grief and sadness and stress if you haven't unpacked your own So Mm -hmm. making sure that you are doing those same things that you're encouraging your child to do. Are you journaling? Are you reading? Are you in faith? Are you connecting? Are you all of those things? Are you sitting in gratitude? Mm -hmm. Um, We first have to regulate and understand self in order to, to support others. Yes. (laughs) That, that was to me. That was a direct. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to go. Like my whole heart just went, "Mm." you got me. You got me. Like, what guilty yeah 
yeah. guilty it... as charged. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, the whole modeling piece. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. We're, we're humans. We, we're, we're going through it too, you mm -hmm. know, but I think that we always have to be just conscious about um, feeding our core, you know, and really making sure that we're at a place where we can do the work um, yeah. because it does feel taxing. And if it feels taxing and you feel overwhelmed, you're not going to want to do it, mm -hmm. you know? So making sure you're just, you have some clarity so that you know where you're going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Got to put in that work. Got to put in that work. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. <laughs> I mean, it's a better outcome for all, though. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly, because you're doing your child justice by allowing, modeling for them and allowing them to, you know, gain those tools and that independence mm -hmm. as well, the mm -hmm. emotional independence. And yeah, that makes them more of a balanced person. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And it makes it, it makes everybody feel good. When you yeah. feel good and when you're put, prioritizing yourself, everybody around you feels that. It's right. like it's like a volcano. When you are prioritizing yourself, it benefits everyone who's a part of your life mm -hmm. because you're giving them the best pieces of you. Mm -hmm. um, and you deserve that and they do too. No, it's true. I think it's so... It, it, you're so right. I remember... When I think back to when I first had my daughter and I was like feeling so stressed and so overwhelmed. And I think, granted, there are a number of different things that like, you know, influenced that, those feelings. Um, but I, part of that was not being honest with myself and with my husband about what I needed. Like, you know, I need some time. I need to feel, I need to do, I need to, and like really, really prioritizing self. And it like, it helped. It really did. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, once I was able to put myself first and, you know, kind of demand some space and some extra support from him and the people around me. Yeah, you're so right. It was a rippling effect. I felt like yeah. I could do more. I could be a better mom or the best version of a mom or the best mom that I can be. I felt right. like I could be more attentive to my husband's needs. I could yeah. still support my mom with her ventures. I could look after my dad who wasn't well. I could do these other things once I had more time for myself. It's just, it's a weird thing because, you know, as a mom, you feel like I need to do for everybody else. And if I don't, then whatever, whatever. But no, you need to do for you so that you can do for others. Yeah. Cause who else is going to do that? Mm. Ain't nobody going to look, ain't nobody going to look out for you. Like you going to look out for yourself. Yes. Nobody, you know, it's your, it's your, it's your responsibility to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love how you said, like you demanded and you were brave enough to ask for help. I think yeah. a lot of times black women, we have the notion that we feel guilty around saying like, can you take the kids somewhere? Can grandma come pick them up? Can I, you know, can you do this for me? But the reality is it takes a village. It takes, yes. those people are set in your life to support your growth. So they are there to help you. They are there to support you just like you're doing that for them. For them. Um, and I think we have such a hard time around that because it, I think we feel a sense of weakness or vulnerability. Mm. Like I don't, want, I don't want somebody knowing that I can't, can't do that myself. Where there's some beauty that comes from letting people know that I need your help, I need your support. Um, it kind of lets that load off. It, it, it makes you feel lighter. So. I like how you were like, nah, I gotta, I gotta acquire the things that I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sure You're did. Here at Walden now. Come get this baby. <laughs> we tell our husbands. <laughs> yeah. 
Take them kids. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Currently, <laughs> that is in progress right now. He's downstairs. They are downstairs. Our children. <laughs> I hear her screaming, and all I am doing is sipping away. <laughs> <laughs> sip, sip. <laughs> I'm going to take it all in, okay? Right? Yeah. It was. Listen to me. When I said that, girl, you you gathered us. Yeah. <laughs> with no direction whatsoever, like just gathered. <laughs> like, oftentimes we have a laundry list of what. I just like you just. I'm my neck. This shows. This episode is going to require virtually no editing at all. No. <laughs> I am proud to be a vessel. You know, I. Um, I've been doing this work for a long time and uh, I love sharing the truths mm-hmm. of my journey. Um, and so I, I'm proud to be a vessel of mental health um, to mothers like me and you got girls, you ladies, we're doing the work. We are yeah. cultivating change in our homes and it's a beautiful thing to celebrate. So I'm happy. It definitely is. Listen, mm-hmm. I know that you, you plugged it a little bit um, and I definitely want to go and watch it. Yes. But I do want our um, listeners to know very quickly, just those who have never heard of the concept, and I would love for you just to share very briefly what it is and why it's important to break them. And it's this notion of generational curses. So um, generational cycles of trauma. So, you know, research tells us that just like um, you can get diabetes from, um, you know, family members, it gets passed down. Um, just like illnesses and different um, kind of things that manifest through our bloodline, we now know that you also can um, cultivate trauma within your bloodline. So when you have a family who's experienced trauma, especially uh, Black people who've been experiencing uh, systematic racism, we've been carrying a lot of survival traits uh, within our bloodline. And so we've been manifesting a lot of unhealthy habits and cycles within our culture. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, trauma looks different for everybody, but something that was in my family um, generationally was abandonment. Mm. Um, and so when I began to raise my children, I began to get triggered by watching my, fa- uh, my husband be a father to my children. I was wondering, well, damn, he's so good, but where was my daddy at to help me ride a bike? Mm -hmm. Where was my daddy at to walk me to school or take me to ice cream? And I start having these really hard feelings around watching him be super dad and wondering how much of a better woman I would have been if I had that. And so it forced me to think about, well, then what impacted my father that made him not show up? And then I thought, well, wow, then generationally, there's been this cycle of abandoning family members Mm. so it's not just a me thing and it's not my father's thing it's been a long history of of trauma and so how do you move forward knowing that that's a cycle that was in your family but that you have been bought to break it Mm. and uh it's hard to do because it really takes a place of healing and healing is like ebbs and flows it comes in waves you feel like you're 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 there and then something triggers you Mm -hmm. um and so for me i've been handling my triggers i've been really digging deep to my core who am i my values what do i want to instill in my daughters that are different to really carry forth a different narrative Mm -hmm. um so that i can get rid of that abandonment gene per se that doesn't, that has no place in my new DNA. Amen. Um, I'm going to highlight all the great attributes my ancestors gave me. And then the things that didn't serve me, I'm going to let them go. Um, knowing that 
they did that because they needed to survive. Well, I am here so that I can thrive and I can't thrive if I'm just surviving. So that we got to break cycles. We got to do the work. And you're saying we can catch this in your TED talk. <laughs> yes, I got a, a whole testimony in the TED talk. Um, it's on it's on the TED format. So if you're on YouTube, you just go to the TED talks and it's under my name, Brandy Wells. Um, and it's breaking generational cycles of trauma. I am um, going to take a look at that. Definitely. Yeah, it, it's it I was like, yeah, it was a rebirth like that. <laughs> that time for me was such a ugly time personally I was dealing with a lot of things and so I bared all of me on that stage and after that I just felt like a weight lifted like I was like I am I am here to do my calling and I can't do that if I am still holding on to mm -hmm. so much pain um it doesn't serve me anymore so I, I had to let that go on that stage and it, it was beautiful it was a it was a hot one of the highlights of my life I will say unbelievable that is so amazing thank you well since you put your ted talk out there why don't you tell our listeners where else they can find you please your amazing aura yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Good word so i'm on instagram and facebook as my motherhood magic one word my motherhood magic um i also have a blog mymotherhoodmagic.com um and yeah, I have my own virtual practice, um, which you can find more information on My Motherhood Magic, where I take um, parents from around the country, and I do virtual consultations, and I help walk alongside them in their parenting journeys, mm. um, because we know it takes a village, and it takes, um, you know, women, like-minded women, to really help other women walk into their purpose. Um, and it's been a beautiful thing to connect to women around the world about how to, how to break generational cycles of trauma, but how to really rise in their role as, as mothers in, uh, in particular. Friends, if you don't go follow this girl, you crazy. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. You are apps, you are apeshit crazy. <laughs> because this is someone like, it's like, okay, a therapist who's educated and like, who's knowledgeable, but who's also doing the work. Like, I feel like that is like the richest thing to find someone who is encouraging you to do the work and who is doing the work themselves. Yes. Like, what a beautiful thing. Oh my gosh, Brandy, you are a light. Oh, thank you. You ladies are light. I'm so proud to be walking alongside so many beautiful women that share the same like mindset and yes. Just, yes. just beauty. It's just a there's so many of us and we're such mm -hmm. a beautiful reflection of all our sisters. And I just, I love connection. This is a beautiful thing. Yes. This is amazing. Let me it's go search for, for how long it's going to take me to drive to Ohio. <laughs> Let me just. High <laughs> Let me hotels real quick. <laughs> Let me look at hotels. <laughs> it's about to get cold. So don't go, don't come here yet. Oh gosh. <laughs> don't stress us out. I know. <laughs> This episode was one for the books. I'm telling yes. you, you listen to this episode. There is no reason why you should not head, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Like, even if the whole rating and review is about Brandy, do it. <laughs> we'll take it. Honor, honor. Please continue to do that for us. We love your thoughts, your feedback. Yes. And, you know, the more you rate, the more that you review, the more likely this podcast is to appear on people's suggestions. 
and we want to be suggested so that we can continue to inspire other women so yeah head to apple podcast and rate and review and if you have anything else to say to us head over to our website at wildaynap.ca and go into the contact tab and shoot us a message you can also send us your bomb mom noms there Mm-hmm. As well as it at Instagram with at a WTN podcast, you can DM us your photo, yeah, little blurb about the mom that you want to shout out, guys. Just send that positivity <laughs> to all the moms in your life because we all need it. <laughs> we all do. And while you're at it, buy them a shirt, bomb mom. <laughs> Go ahead and shop our merch. They can rock bomb mom shirts and black moms matter. There has never been a time more so than such. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to let the world know how much black mothers matter. So yes. please don't hesitate to purchase the shirt. Buy one for a friend. They'll be happy you did. <laughs> yes. And with that being said, friends, nap time is over. And we will see you in our next episode. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.